Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting and cross-stitching, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about self-care, productivity, and keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my tea in hand, so grab yours and let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 100. Hello, friends! Episode 100! Woohoo! I'm very excited about that that landmark. I kind of blew right past my five-year benchmark, um, which was in February, just a couple of months ago. Um, but five years at this, 100 episodes. Who would have thought? Well, before we get going, grab your lovely beverage. I picked my favorite tea to have today, which is the Harney & Sons Black Currant. I've talked about it before. Um, it is just the most wonderful black tea that they make. I've got just a splash of this um, non-dairy milk from Trader Joe's. They have a, it's like almond macadamia cashew blend, and it is wonderful as a little splash in my tea. So anyways, um, so we're at 100 episodes. I was trying to think of something a little fun to do, so I've got a couple fun things. One is there will be a Fat Quarter Shop gift card giveaway for a $50 gift card to Fat Quarter Shop. Um, there'll be a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast about how to enter for that one. And I put in a um, kind of an ask me anything into the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. And so I've got, I'll do a little bit of a Q&A at the end of the episode. Meanwhile, I'm coming to you on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, um, April 2nd, 2023. And oh, after all the rain we've had, Everything is so green and it's sunny. It's mid 60s. And I'm so sorry to just be flaunting this to all of you in Michigan and Minnesota, <laughs> Wisconsin. I know that it's not getting to be spring, you know, it, or it doesn't seem like spring where you are, but it is finally feeling like spring here. I don't know if we've got any more rain in the forecast, but we went hiking yesterday, my husband and I, to this place called um, Charmley. Um, nature, I don't know, Charmley Park. In, uh, it's in Malibu. It's like up in the mountains overlooking the coastline. And we went really to, to uh, see the wildflowers. And I think we're still a little early. There were, you know, there were some things in bloom, but I was kind of expecting more. That's a real wildflower hike. And um, so we'll have to head back there. But it was absolutely gorgeous. So that was a fun way to spend the morning. And then I, I used up the rest of my birthday gift card to the spa and had a massage in the afternoon. So I was feeling pretty pampered there. I think I talked last episode about um, for my birthday, I got all sort of pampering things. And I have used all the gift cards up now. I got a facial, a massage, and a pedicure. And um, yeah, you know, I'm at to the point in my life where I buy most things that I want, you know, within bounds, but I don't buy things like that very often. So it is kind of the perfect gift. It's something that I want, but wouldn't necessarily spend the money on. So, so that's been fun. With the um, sort of advent of this, really this spring light and the little bit warmer weather, I'm really, I'm getting the spring cleaning bug. And if I was really faithful to the fly lady system i would never have to spring clean that is the point of the fly lady system which i have not been great about lately but there's something about that the this it, the feeling is overcoming me just throw up the windows and deep clean everything um so we'll see if i make any progress 
on that, but that is exactly how I'm, I'm feeling. And I haven't made too much progress on it because March was a bit of a revolving door of, uh, of kids coming home. And um, not that I'm complaining, but um, Ben came home from college early in March. Then Chloe came the next week. We had one week off. Then Jonah and Ben came again. Then Ben here was for, for spring break. And so, um, you know, just... I like to be available, even though it's not like the kids, you know, make their schedule around me, but I just like to be available to do whatever I can with them while they're home. So, um, so yeah, but now that things are settling down a bit, I need to start uh, digging in. I'd like to do a real deep job on the, um, on the kitchen. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that one of my big goals for the year is to take the two kids' rooms and, um, redo them for our current life so to speak so we've made some headway into that we have ordered we've got a bed that's been delivered for the what I consider the boys room and um, it's gonna be we're gonna have a queen-size bed in there and so um, we need to get the bunk beds out and there's bookshelves in there from Ikea that are I measured them to they're like 42 inches tall there's a, a, a wide center one and two um, smaller side ones and I am going to take those out um, and put two of them. I'm going to take the wide one and one of the smaller ones, and I'm going to put them in my sewing area. So I sit at the dining room table. Currently behind me is the ironing board. And then to the right of me are just these kind of older, not well-shaped bookshelves um, actually one of them was from when I was a teenager and it was for like my record player. <laughs> so it's really, it's very awkwardly shaped, but I've just, I've used what we've had, you know, in that, in that space. So I'm going to get rid of that. And there's a rolling cart, like a, um, you know, an Ikea rolling cart. I think it's from Michael's though. So I can put that somewhere else and I want to put my, so if you picture sitting at your dining room table and to the right is a short wall and I want to put my, um, ironing board there this is in some ways inspired by watching a Lori Holt video and she has that setup where she's sitting at her at her sewing machine and then she has it's even low so she does not even have to stand up she can just press she can just swivel in her chair and press so I'm thinking I'm wondering if I can put a a uh, ironing board there I think mine my current one is about an inch too big <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see how this works. I might, I, I looked, there's, you know, apparently kind of a variation in sizes of what would be considered a standard ironing board. So maybe I'll get a little bit, I found one like for $24 at Target. Maybe I'll get a bit of a smaller one and kind of like to have it lower. Um, so I could do that. And so then behind me, where the ironing board is currently, I can put these two bookcases. And that is going to give me more, so much more <laughs> space to put things, um, so so this, it's just it's this whole cascading uh, event, as you could imagine. What I really want to do is just go Marie Kondo style and collect all the sewing stuff from all over the house, and put it in one place, and then start rearranging. And I feel totally overwhelmed by this, but it would be so nice to get it done. And I kind of did that during COVID, but then I had to tuck everything away because I that really wasn't my sewing space for a while because my son was using it as his desk. But um, yeah, so that's, 
a, a project that I am both excited and scared of at the same time. But anyway, so even maybe this weekend, I might, and, and, and I'm sort of committing to my sewing space being a disaster for probably a few weeks, which is the first thing that you see when you walk in the door. So that is, is kind of, but who, I don't know, nobody's visiting me. It does not matter. So anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about doing that. Um, and I'm going to call and have the painters come and give me estimates on painting the two kids rooms and I'm feeling so we're in April not quite halfway through the year yet and I'm, I'm you know I always feel like I have these big goals and it just takes me a while I have, I'm, I'm, the, I'm on this very slow start <laughs> but I think things are gonna to start falling into place here and that is gonna make me very very happy so so that's kind of what's going on in my neck of the woods um, let's uh, get on with the show. Before we start talking quilting, I would like to once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank the Fat Quarter Shop for sponsoring this podcast and for providing a $50 gift card to one lucky winner in celebration of 100 episodes. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop shop for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. So this month, I always check this for you, the basic of the month, um, which is 20% off, is um, the Art Gallery Fabrics Pure Solids. I don't know if you've ever sewn with Art Gallery Fabrics. They have a different feel to them, and they are absolutely yummy. So they've got um, both yardage and fat uh, quarter bundles of if you want to try out their solids. I, I think you'd really like them. And they're also doing a really fun quilt along. You know, they do a million quilt alongs over at Fat Quarter Shop, and they are doing a free one called the Triangles on a Roll Quilt Along. So um, it's a seven week long sew along and has a free quilt pattern that's specially designed for their triangle paper. So if triangles are a challenge for you, particularly half square triangles, this uh, quilt along might help you kind of just challenge yourself and help you master that, that uh, patch. So it uses three different sizes of triangle paper, like two inch, three inch, and four inch. And if you've never used triangle paper, it's basically foundation paper piecing for triangles so that they all come out absolutely perfect. You never lose points. It's a really good way for doing them. But if you would rather, if you'd like to do the quilt along, but you don't want to use the triangle paper, they also have information on how to cut the, the um, half square triangles the traditional way. So either way, it might be a really good skill builder for you. So the design um, has this beautiful center medallion, big old star, and then it's surrounded um, with a border of different kinds of stars, Ohio star, um, sawtooth star, friendship stars, just basically, you name it, it's probably in there. So you might wanna check that out. As always, I will put a link in the show notes so you can get all the information. So let's get on to quilting. Um, I'm actually recording two weeks from my last podcast, so I'm kind of sad to say that I haven't done a lot. I did get completely caught up with my scrappy spools quilt along with Fat Quarter Shop that I'm doing, and that was really fun. And uh, once again, that is, it's a Lori Holt pattern with little um, patchwork, you know, little quilt blocks that at the end you set them all in this little setting that makes them look like they're in spools. So they're about I don't know, five or five and a half inches, you know, that you're sewing. So they're kind of small. Um, and I feel like I'm, what I'm really liking about this project is I'm kind of building 
a scrap system at the same time. I talked um, a few podcasts ago about when I sat down to do it, and when I looked at, you know, you need, there's a lot of one and a half inch squares and strips. And it's like, if I just was like looking at my stash and pulling things, I, I pulled out a selection of fabrics that I liked and go, this is, I'm going to pull from these for this quilt. And then, and to just, to, to cut these little one and a half inch patches and stuff, I was like, there, this is going to, this is so painstaking. This is not fun. So what I did was start to build my own scrap system. So I took uh, just a range of the colors of some blues and pinks and greens and yellows, you know, all the colors that are I'm using. And I just cut a bunch of one and a half inch strips. And, and same thing with some like low volume, um, you know, for my kind of the, the backgrounds. And it, it just, you know, picked, I don't know, 25 or 30 fabrics and just trimmed that. And then from there started pulling from blocks and that worked so much better. And now I'm far enough into it that I'm a little, I'm a little bored of those fabrics. I'm like, okay, I've used a lot of those already. So I just kind of spent one evening cutting um, a, a bigger selection. And at the same time, the other size that uh, it seems to be the most common in this pattern are two and a half inch strips. So I'm doing some one and a half inch strips and then like a two and a half strip inch strip and throwing them in my little scrap baskets. So when I first started this, I copied the Lori Holt method where she has these um, white, this kind of woven plastic basket from Target. And I went and bought, I don't know, maybe five, I think, however many she uses for her sizes. And um, I just like let them sit in my sewing room for a while, but they, they were never really my style. <laughs> and so um, I eventually returned them and I bought the... Um, what are they called? Bright room from Target. So they're clear plastic. If you've ever watched the home edit, you know, these clear acrylic um, bins are very popular. I used them all when I redid my bathroom. All the little bins inside my drawers were, were I think it's called Bright Room. So I bought like four or five of those. <laughs> I brought them home and I tried to use those and they were a little too small and maybe there was a bigger size, um, but then that started getting expensive. So I just kind of sat on those because you can so easily return from Target. And then we went to Ikea and I stumbled on what I think is going to be the winner. And so they are, I've got the lid right here. It's the, it's Kugis, K-U-G-G-I-S. I'll put a link in the show notes. So they are little white bins. So I cut, I, I liked, I, I could argue for the clear plastic in both ways. Um, at first I thought I wanted the clear plastic so I could see the color that I'm like, oh, these are mixed. Like there is like, you know, I don't need to know that these are the reds. Although these clear plastic things from Brightroom, um, I think I saw them, I, Clover and Violet, you know, her, I think she redid her shelves and she used them. They fit fat quarters perfectly and that's where you really I think want the clear so you can see them for scraps not as important although you can see the size but um so what I oh but anyways I took them back now I have these white little containers that are very nicely sized they are seven basically seven by ten by six and they have lids and they stack really nice and that's the one thing that the others did not have was was um the ability to stack and um, so I've been using those 
Um, and I, I think that's going to work really well. And um, and they, I, they're white and I think they look pretty. They have a little hole you can easily put your finger in to pull them out. So I think that's where I ended up on the scrap bins. If I found something else later, there's a, I, I bought four of these. I didn't buy as many as I maybe needed because um, I want to make sure I liked them. But um, I could use these for a million different things around the house. I think they're just, they're really nice. So um that's been fun is kind of to build my scrap system because there's a lot of these scrap cools that I'd really like to make. I'd like to, as I said before, I really like to use my stash, which is just a bunch of fat quarters. So um, using some of these, cutting these down into, um, into scraps, usable scraps, I think will be, you know, it'll help me use my stash more. I did actually go through my scrap bin as well and cut those things down to those sizes. Um, and so that's been nice and that's the beautiful thing about using actual scraps because I was like oh like this was from that Christmas quilt and oh this you know like it's all the memories come flooding back so that was really nice um I'm still just two blocks away from finishing my great granny square I am just in um just a, a bit of I'm just frozen because I have to just make my color choices for those last two blocks and I just for some reason have not been able to do that I do hope to tackle that this week unless I totally tear up my <laughs> my my sewing room to to redo it so we'll see but I have been kind of thinking about my next project um, and what I want to do um, you know quilt con kind of has inspired me towards, you know, thinking about some modern quilt designs. Um, so I'm kind of thinking that direction, maybe take a look through my solids. So, so we'll see. I'm kind of just, uh, you know, I want to, I want to just start playing a little bit more in the sewing room, which is something that, you know, I'm not super good about taking the time to do because a lot of times at the end of the day, I want the mindless sewing aspect, not the creative part. So, so we'll see. So that's kind of what's going on in the sewing room. But before we leave the quilting segment, I wanted to tell you about a book that was sent to me by Diane Murtha. And she is an accomplished quilter and she has created a book called Artful Insights in Fabric. And um, this is pretty cool. She is one of those people who is, she's a maker. She's just a maker through and through. <laughs> she, you know, as a, I read in the introduction, she designed her own clothes when she was younger. You know, she was into weaving and, and, and making, you know, school um, costumes and stuffed animals and plus all the, you know, upholstery and canning and cooking and all, you know, just a maker through and through. And she has put together a book of many of her quilts. So it's not a pattern book. It's um, it's more like a retrospective of her work or sort of a, a, a quilt show of her own her own work. And it they, she makes some absolutely stunning quilts. So she's got this. Um, let me just tell you about the book a little bit. Um, it's got different sections in it called things like imperfect is still beautiful, simple has its merits, humorous thoughts, reflections, just because I wanted to, things like that. And she has put different quilts in those categories. So um, the first quilt that I want to talk about is called Bohemian Sunflower. A lot of these quilts that she's created came from challenges like Quilt Guild challenges. And this is something that I really noticed when I was at QuiltCon um, is how many people were inspired by doing challenges. And it's something that I think I should get more involved in, have not done that yet. But um, when I see the results of, of 
what other people have done to be, uh, you know, because of challenges. It's, I don't know, I, I should get into it. So this is called Bohemian Sunflower. And it was a quilt guild challenge. Um, it's just called the Sunflower Challenge. And she, what's interesting is she's tried many different things that failed until she finally came up with this very cool design that's got some um, curved piecing, uh, like a drunkard's path for the curved part. And then a lot of these very spiky, scrappy um, yellow fabrics for the, the sunflower leaves. And um, she was saying that she had a very, tr very traditional quilt guild, so nobody really appreciated the, the modernness of it, but she loved it. And then because it took her a while to kind of figure it out, she had all these leftover blocks. So she created a second quilt from those that has kind of a similar but, but different design, which, you know, so like, I love that idea of, of using up, you know, um, what you have left over into another quilt. Um, there's this other one called Monarch, and she does this technique a lot, this 3D technique. Um, so it's a Monarch with um, its wing actually comes out in a 3D in a 3D way. It's sitting on like an Echinacea flower, and then all the quilting um, is done, a yellow background with green thread, and that green thread just are like all the foliage behind the, behind the butterfly. It's absolutely stunning. Um, also very cool, like she's got this very simple half square triangle quilt that was all these sort of leftover wonky half square triangles and she just decided to to use them and turn them into something else, you know, just again using up everything. She also has a number of portrait quilts. She's got one of her, her mother, one of her dog, um, like so that is also very cool. And I think my favorite one in the book is called Garden Flowers and it again uses this 3D technique on the leaves of the flowers, which are probably, I think they're yellow echinaceas. They've got that large cone, you know, like a, a cone flower, but they're yellow leaves. And she has this little technique for doing the shadows under the leaves. It's absolutely stunning. So anyways, um, Oh, here's another Echinacea one. <laughs> she, she obviously likes Echinacea like I do. So anyways, um, it is called, again, Artful Insights in Fabric, and it is just the most inspiring. It's a small book, um, 74 pages, for you to flip through to just be inspired and to kind of um, get a little glimpse into somebody else's creative process because every quilt has what is basically an artist statement. And um, from QuiltCon and from this, I love reading those and going, oh, that's how that worked in your brain. I need to think about it that way. So anyways, Artful Insights and Fabrics by Diane Murtha. All right, let's move on to cross stitch. You know, I just feel like I've not had the most prolific couple of weeks. I'm still, I am just stitching away on flea market flowers, which is that Lori Holt design. It's a little bit Scandinavian looking. I'm really coming into the home stretch on it. So I'm excited about that. I think I have decided on that one because it's going to be, I don't know, I'm doing this with my hands. Maybe it's 15 inches square. And I think I will try to frame it. I would love it if I could find a commercial frame. And I've decided that the eating area of my kitchen would be a place where I could display things like cross stitch. So this has been um, my problem with cross stitch is that I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so I, I tend to like to do small projects. My idea is to have a lot of little pillows that I can put in my little 
dough bowl um, because I'm just not going to be framing up samplers all over my house. I, I love it in other people's houses. It's not my style. Um, but, you know, the eating area that used to be filled, so we have kind of like in our house, uh, kind of a bay window. It kind of pops out a bit. So there's these narrow walls at angles. Um, and during, you know, the child raising years, there was just all kinds of child's, children's artwork <laughs> taped up everywhere. Um, I still have like the little places with tape on the wall to, <laughs> to prove it. And, you know, over the years, that's all come down. And it's, it's kind of bare. I do have a calendar. I do a family calendar every year. So that's up there. And we've got a whiteboard. But it's, it's kind of a boring area. But I thought, oh, this could be a place where I could put some cross-stitch. So I'm thinking about that would be a place for that. Also, I went to this. We have this place in town called the Craft House where you can take all these classes on like anything you can think of uh, soap making stained glass macrame um, other things that I cannot think of right now probably lettering you know just all that kind of stuff and um, they were having a, a, a big open house last weekend that I went to and um, they had some beautiful macrame um, things and I just thought well and, and actually a few days before I was down there at night my friend and I were going to this little place um, this little wine place where you can we would we sit and knit and um, as we were walking by the craft house they were doing a macrame class and we just stood there and watched them for a while and the woman was like beckoning us in like come on in you can do this too we're like no 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 but um, I was thinking oh a little macrame hanging could be like a fun thing to put in the kitchen so I'm thinking that is an area where it can be a little more crafty so that's what I'm thinking about for um, my flea market flowers finish so we'll we'll see I've also kind of learned that I am much better at being a monogamous stitcher. I know there's a lot of people that really like to have these choices of different projects. I, I am so easily overwhelmed that I'm just like, I'm just gonna stitch on this till it's done. And then I'm gonna stitch on, um, I think the next project I talked about before, it's this little um, a stack of books with a cup of tea on top of it that I'm doing as part of the Cross Stitch the Rainbow stitch along. Um, and I'm doing that, I think it's 32 count linen with silk floss and, um, I'm enjoying it, but I need to sit at a table with my magnifier and my light to really do that, which is um, where I can stitch on my 25 count Lugana just with normal light. And so I have to commit to go, okay, I'm going to go into a different room and sit there with the light to do this thing on linen. And that's not quite as fun for me, but that is going to be my next one because I, those are really cute. So, so that's kind of go, what's going on with, with cross stitch. I feel like I've slowed down a, a little bit with my obsession there and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm excited to get back to quilting because that just feels so familiar and so me, if you know what I mean. All right, let's talk uh, TV shows. So I think last time I talked to you that my husband and I were watching 1923, which is one of those shows. It's got Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren, and it's in the Yellowstone series of stories. I'm pretty conflicted about that one. I mean, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren were wonderful. It was a very hard show to watch. There were some, um, I, I was texting a friend who was also watching it, and and he said, there are some unnecessary scenes. And, and let me just say, that's exactly right. There are some things that we just did not need to see. So um, I feel conflicted <laughs> recommending that to you. Story was good. Um, you know, if you found Yellowstone hard to watch, this one was, was even harder. I maintain 
1883 was was the best one in that um, you know sort of uh, group of stories. So then we moved on to Picard, and now I am a total Star Trek Next Generation geek unabashedly so I have loved the Picard show but season three here I think it's the best and I I think a lot of it is um because they got the gang back together it's so exciting and it's such it's such a fun series um I'm all caught up so now we're just waiting for the last three episodes to to drop but it's got you know it's brought back um Riker and um Data and Jordy and Beverly Crusher. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's so fun. Um, and we watched this little behind the scenes thing with Will Wheaton. If you know him, he played Wesley Crusher. And I found out that Jordy, um, who is played by LeVar Burton, his, he has two daughters that are, um, you know, his character Jordy has two daughters in this show and but one of them is played by his real life daughter and um, so we saw this interview with them and it was just so cute they were both so thrilled to be able to share um what it was you know i want to say the his like most important role i hate to say that though because he was in roots (laughs) so that was maybe his most important role i think his first role and you may know him as the reading rainbow guy but anyways it's it was just really fun to to uh I've got such affection for these characters. So to know that he could share that with his daughter. So that was really fun. Um, And that's kind of what what my husband and I have been watching. What I watch on my own while I'm stitching is always my acorn shows. And um, the one I've been watching and really enjoying, it's called the Good Karma Hospital, which is the corniest name and the corniest name for a hospital ever. But, and it kind of put me off watching. It's come up, you know, as a choice for a while. Um, and I, I finally dove into it, and it is about a um, young woman from England, and she, uh, her mother was British, and her dad was Indian. She did not know her dad growing up. He left when she was a, a baby, and she is now a doctor, and she's going through a bad breakup, and is just kind of trying to figure out what to do with her life, where she sees um, an advertisement for doctors to go to India and be a doctor in India. Now, she has this idea that it is going to be a, um, like, at a very state-of-the-art kind of hospital. It's going to be this very glitzy kind of situation, and when she gets there, it is not. It is a little hospital out in the sticks. They are underfunded, understaffed, um, and this is not at all what she has in mind, but she decides to kind of, to give it a, give it a try. And, um, so that's kind of the, the basis of it. And it's, you know, in many ways it's your, it's your standard, you know, hospital drama. Um, there's a little, you know, will, will they, won't they <laughs> kind of situation with another doctor. And the woman who runs the hospital is actually a, a British woman and um, I don't know the actress's name, but the one thing I have to say is that she's always wearing these amazing linen dresses. And I, it's, it's on my list, man. I need to buy a linen dress. <laughs> they, they are so beautiful and you, you can just tell that they're perfect for that climate. And so I'm, I'm like looking up from on Quince or Pack. There's all these little, these linen places. I'm like, I need a linen dress for the summer. So I'll let you know how that goes. So that's it on the on the TV side. Oh, except for there are 
some things I'm excited about. I've seen that on PBS, there's a new season of Sanditon. Um, I've talked about Sanditon. I think there's been two seasons so far. Yes, because I had to go back and watch the first season when the second season came out. It is about a, um, it's in England. Sanditon is a resort area that this one, basically this one man is determined to turn this area into a resort and all kinds of terrible things happen. Um, and, um, but it's mostly about uh, this this character, this young girl who is like a farmer's daughter. And for reasons that happened in the first season, she is whisked away by this family to the seaside resort, very much out of her comfort zone. And um, there's all kinds of, you know, romances that don't work and things like that. But um, so I'm excited about the third season. I don't remember where the second season ended. But um, that's coming out. And also on Acorn, the new season of the Brokenwood Mysteries is out, which is one of my favorite um, little mystery shows that takes place um, in New Zealand. I've talked about that in the past, too. So my biggest problem these days is with all these different streaming services, <laughs> how do you keep track of it all? Um, my husband and I, we we basically like right now we're paying for Paramount Plus and we will pay for that till all the Picard episodes drop and then we'll probably get out of that and I don't know then get over to Apple TV once all the Ted Lasso <laughs> episodes have dropped but I feel like we need a very complicated spreadsheet about what shows are on which streaming services and when have all the episodes dropped so that we can just binge them it's just very complicated these days isn't it so on books, um, I got to tell you that I have started and abandoned like three books in the last couple of weeks. I've just not found the, my right comfort reading at this point. I'm not sure why. One book that I want to give it another try to is, um, it's called Still Life by, now I have to look it up. Hang on. It's by Sarah Winman, and I have heard so many good things about this book. So I got it on Audible when I had some credits to, I got out of Audible because that's another thing that I, I got in on a special and then I got out. Um, and there's something about the audiobook that I'm just having a hard time concentrating on it. So I just, I think I need to uh, just go on a long walk and kind of get into it and then it'll be fine. Um, I heard from a number of you who have read Remarkably Bright Creatures, which I talked about last time and who also enjoyed that. So that was fun. I think it's in about two weeks. Yeah, two weeks from today, I'm going to go listen to the um, the author speak on that book. So that's fun. And so I'm just back to um, listening to Anna Karenina, which I will be doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> I still have like 29 hours to go. It's crazy. Um, it is the slowest moving book ever, but I'm enjoying it. It's all good, but I, I'm, I was listening while I was cleaning this morning to this whole sort of side story, and I'm just thinking, how is this moving the plot forward? Like, I just feel like perhaps that book could have been edited a little bit tighter. I'm just saying, just saying. So yeah, sorry, not much on the, um, on the book front. Oh, I also have to just give a shout out to Sherry McConnell over at A Quilting Life, who apparently heard me talk about Laundry Love and said, oh, you know what? I have that book. I haven't read it. And now she's into it and loving it too and ordering her soap flakes and all the things. <laughs> so Laundry Geeks Unite. I feel vindicated. Okay, let's get on to the Q&A. I've got the Facebook group up on my screen. Let's see if I can handle two things happening on my computer screen at once. So um, 
Thank you for everyone who asked a question whenever I do that. I've done it a few times. I'm always afraid that nobody will answer. <laughs> nobody will have a question. But let's start with Robin's question, which is how did you decide to get started and what helped you persevere? And I assume that what you mean about that is the podcast. So um, I'm probably doing this in the wrong order. So a lot of you know that I, I'm friends with um, Frances Dowell. She's over from the Off Kilter Quilt, and she had a weekly podcast for many years. I don't even know how she uh, did it every week. Um, she had this great format of um, quilt diaries where she would just kind of record when she was in the sewing room over the week. It was it was a great way to do it. Um, so I'll talk a little bit more about her in a little bit, um, and because someone asked how we became friends, but. Um, so I have this friendship with her where we talk daily through this app called Voxer, which is, um, you know, like, so she records um, something in the morning. And then when I wake up, I listen and I reply. And it's just like this um, discontiguous conversation, which I know sounds really weird, but it actually works beautifully. Um, and so I was talking to her. And, and by that time, I think that her, she was recording less. And we were kind of talking about how quilting podcasts were going away. And um, it was actually her suggestion to said, I think you need to do a podcast. And, and she just kind of laid out the exact format that I still use to this day. You should talk about what you're quilting and what you're knitting and like the shows you're watching and the book you're reading and, st and stuff you're doing around your house. I think people would like it. And I was like, really? It took me, I mean, she probably suggested it one year and it took me at least, you know, it took at least a year, year and a half before me to, for me to really do it. I was very intimidated by it. I do think that talking on Voxer, which is just holding up one end of a conversation for an extended period of time <laughs> helped me do a podcast because yeah I am just you know you're just talking into a microphone for for an hour um, and voxes are, are shorter than that but it, it just kind of got me into the swing of it so she is the one that um, suggested it and then it just turned out I was so nervous and I I still to this day every time I put a podcast out I always feel a little insecure about it. I always um, feel like it's a lot of navel gazing. <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's a lot about me. Like, why would you guys care about this? Um, so I, I try to make it, you know, about you guys too, because it's not just about me. Um, but I, I always feel very insecure every time I put a podcast out. So whenever I hear you guys that it resonates with you or that it's just like having tea with a friend, that's exactly what I want. Um, and that is what's kept me going um, all these years. I mean, I've had, um, you know, definitely I've had stretches where I've been very good about every two weeks. Um, the first summer after I started, I went all summer, didn't podcast because I didn't know how to do it when the kids were home. I kind of figured that out eventually. And um, I just recently had this six-week break that didn't, didn't mean to. So I just kind of fit it in when I can. Um, but it's, it's the hearing from you guys that is what keeps me going. It also gives me some accountability um, that works better sometimes than others um, for just for continuing to sew and to create things so that I have things to talk about. And so that is sometimes when I when I drag my feet on it is because I feel like I don't quite have enough to talk about. But um, having the different segments kind of helps because if there's not a lot of quilting, then probably I'm watching a lot of TV. So so anyways, I hope that's what you, um, you know, that was what your question was there, Robin. Um, and so here's Deirdre. She says that you offer, often refer to having to travel for work. What is it that you do? Um, so... 
I have a degree in marketing, and as soon as I got out of school, I went to work for this small software company where I continued to work for 10 years until I got married. And that is, in fact, where I met my husband, and my husband still works there. Um, so then after I started having kids, I took, it was like 15 years off, and when the um, new car, braces, travel sports bills started to add up, I realized I probably needed to go back to work part-time, and I was so lucky that they took me back um, as a part-time position, and that was the best thing that ever happened. I didn't really realize how much the world was going to change in those 15 years. I mean, like, the internet took off. Social media became a thing, and as a marketer, you know, the whole world was different. So that gave me my entry and my re-education into the, the world of marketing, um, and so I worked for them for, I don't know, like another eight years, uh, part-time as a contractor, and it was, it was fine. It's, it's software for the manufacturing industry. It is the least glamorous thing <laughs> that it could be. Um, I know more about the machines that cut metal parts than you would ever think possible. Um, eventually, they stopped working. That company, that software company, has bought been bought out like four times. So after one of the buyouts, they said, we're not working with contractors anymore. And so now I just kind of fell into this business because someone asked for help. Um, I work for the people that sell the software now. So there's a, it's a, it's a very expensive piece of software. You know, we're talking tens of thousands of dollars and it's sold by these little independent businesses. And so I kind of carved out my own business, um, for marketing for this I, I basically market this one product and um, I have like a set um, number of activities that I do you know we do you know tech tip videos and webinars and I do a lot of email marketing all for this one group of, of clients and um, so so that's what I do it does require some travel because I need to go see those clients um, so that's when I was in Florida there was a meeting um, there is a chance I could be going to Sweden which will be very exciting to for a big group of this so so that's what I do I am a marketing freelancer basically and I think part of the problem of me not wanting to uh, create content for social media comes from the fact that I do that all day long for my job so I'm just like I do not <laughs> I don't want to create posts. So that's why I always have this very conflicting feeling about social media. Okay, here's a question from Teresa. And she is going to her first quilt retreat in July. And she says she's heard other podcasters say they usually bring gifts to all the people at the retreat. What would you suggest as a gift to people you've never met before? Um, I'm probably the wrong person to ask <laughs> about this. Um, because I've never been on a quilting retreat, actually. Um, but I can tell you that um, from being around, I've definitely seen people do a number of things. So when I went to QuiltCon, I received two quilted postcards um, from people that I'd met for the first time. My friend Patty made one. Um, like She made them for everyone who stayed in our Airbnb, and they were all very personal. And mine had three pine trees, um, and it said, like... I don't have it in front of me, like greetings from three pines kind of a deal. It's a, it a little, you know, Louise Penny inspired um, quilted postcard. And I got one from Sarah Goer, which um, uses her all about angles technique. And it was just a little modern kind of improv um, angles postcard. So if you wanted to do something like that, a little quilted postcard, you can Google that and, and, um, 
and you can do just, you know, whatever is your style, if it's modern or more traditional, things like that. Um, I know a lot of people do like little coasters or mug rugs um, are a fun thing to do. Um, and then if you're more like ambitious, you can do little zipper bags, things like that. But I don't think that's really required, you know. So just like I, I would personally think I would do something like um, coasters, mug rugs, mug rugs or a little quilted postcard but if you guys listening have other suggestions because you've actually been to a retreat please um get on the um the comments for this uh, episode and um tell or into the simple handmade everyday facebook group and let teresa know what you would do um theona asked how did you and francis meet and so let me wind, rewind to that. So Fr- Francis had the Off Kilter Quilt um, podcast. And I mean, this was this was really in the heyday of podcasting. So I'm going to say, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, that time frame. I can so picture me sitting in the van outside music lessons for my son. And he was probably nine at the time. So it'd be about 2009. And listening to her. And being excited, like I could listen like every Wednesday or something. I'd listen to her while I was waiting. And um, so, of course, you know, I just kind of felt like I knew her. And then I found out she was a children's uh, children's book author. And I remember, and she wrote this book. She mentioned on a podcast, The Secret Language of Girls. I asked Chloe, like, have you ever heard of this book? And she's like, oh, my gosh, every girl my age has read that book. <laughs> and so... Um, so little things would happen. She would say things on the podcast and, you know, I would just email her every once in a while and, you know, just like you guys do with me, just little, little tidbits. And, um, including this one time where I was taking my daughter and her friends out on my daughter's birthday out to dinner and they were all talking about books and, and one of the girls, um, said, do you remember the secret language of girls? That was the best book I ever read. And I just, you know, I had to tell her that. So we had just a little bit of an email correspondence going. And then um, I got a Fitbit and I decided I was going to, you know, make this push to, to lose some weight. And she, Frances was talking about this too on her podcast. And and I think we were friends on the Fitbit site, how you could do that. And I me- emailed her and said, do you want to like be accountability partners? It was a big stretch for me. Like I didn't really know her, but we both into these Fitbits. And she said, yes. And so we did like an email thing for for years where we would just, you know, check in at the end of the day. And over the years, the emails got longer. It wasn't just, yes, I hit my exercise and my calorie goals. It was just like started talking about what was going on. And um, FYI, we are terrible accountability partners. <laughs> we are terrible. We've been doing this for like 12 years. And Frances now has um, actually gotten down to basically her goal weight. So good for her. Me, not so much. Um, although I have been up and down in those years many times. Um, but yeah, we're just too nice to each other to really hold each other accountable. <laughs> so we laugh about that, that that's how it started. But it just was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Then I found out about this app called Voxer, where I already told you, um, where we exchange these messages. And then now we just check in like on a daily basis and we are like knee deep in the minutia of each other's life. So that was, so that's kind of how that um, happened. Okay, the next one is from Sarah. Um, This is the same Sarah Goer who gave me uh, my little quilted postcard. So she said, uh, I don't think I know your origin story. How did you get into quilting? For me, um, so I was really into, and Sarah, you're younger than me, so you might have missed this. Um, I was really into blogs, again, back in the, the heyday of blogs, you know, like, you know, I don't know, 2005 and 
forward. And I was into like the Soul Mama blog and Posey Gets Cozy. And all of these people, in addition to knitting and embroidery, were, were making quilts, mostly simple patchwork quilts. Um, but I just kept seeing them and thinking, I'd kind of like to try that. And I just really thought it would be a one and done kind of deal. As a matter of fact, I bought a pattern from Posey Gets Cozy, which is I think is hilarious now because it was how to make a patchwork quilt, like how to sew squares together. But I didn't, it was cost $12. I didn't know anything about quilting. And so, um, and that is when I found, I guess it was good I bought it because I had made clothes before where you use a 5-8 seam allowance, but obviously quilting is a quarter inch seam and I was like that seemed crazy also um like pressing to one side as opposed to pressing seams open like you do in with clothes was weird so it was good but I was I didn't make any progress on it for the longest time because I was completely intimidated by going into a store and buying like I don't know 15 different fabrics to make a patchwork quilt so it just kind of languished for a while until I for some reason walked into a fabric store probably because I was making a Halloween costume and needed thread or something like that and there was a charm pack of um, French general fabric and you know that red and white or off-white kind of thing and I, I was just like this is so beautiful so I bought like two I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And then later on, I thought, oh, I could use those as the squares. So I went back. I figured out how many I needed. I went back and I bought six more or something like that. And so that's how I made my first quilt, by just laying those out and doing that. And um, that is, to this day, the most beloved quilts of of all the quilts I've ever made. <laughs> as a matter of fact, the... Um, the binding is coming off. It's worn through in places. It's, it's, I need to completely rebind it. And I think I really realized why um, quilt binding cut on the bias wears better. I never do binding on the bias. I always do straight cut binding. And um, so I just need to go get that kind of faded red um, that, that solid that uh, French General has and rebind that quilt. But um, it is just, it is magically... Um, I guess because it just is squares, uh, it doesn't have a lot of seam allowance. So it's just, it's the right weight. Um, the, it's the right width and length. And I, and I tried to replicate this with a Christmas quilt that I did with these cute sweet water squares. And, um, it's somehow different. It's, it's heavier. I, I don't know exactly why, but I've, I've never been able to recreate the magic of that French general quilt. And so anyway, so then I was, then I was hooked and then I went and took a class at our local quilt shop at Cotton and Chocolate. And it was the best quilting class. I, I think they should just use this as the standard of all quilting classes. It was a medallion quilt. And so it's, you started, the center was um, log cabins, and then it's um, nine patches around that. And now I'm going to completely fall apart. But then it's just like, so you, you know, you've got your standard, log cabins are obviously easy to make. Then you got your smaller nine patches. You're getting better with your, you know, accurate seam allowances. Then it's, I think, friendship stars. So you've, you're tackling the half square triangle. And then around that are Ohio stars where, um, you know, then you're doing some quarter square triangles. And, oh, no, there's a flying geese uh, border. And then, um, and then Ohio stars. So it just was like, I had, by the end of that class, I had done 
you know, every different type of quilting, basically. And um, so that was that was really fun. And, and you know, and, and then just it just kept going from there. She also asked, if you were to walk into a quilt shop, describe the fabric you are most likely to impulse buy. And this is so boring, but my favorite um, fabrics to buy are like tone on tone, like blenders. Those are really the ones that I like to use the most um, and kind of like abstract um, designs, you know, just like uh, off-centered dots or little dashes little things like that those are the 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 fabrics that I use the most um yeah although okay if I was going to go into super buzzy which is around here I am very attracted to the and I (laughs) the Japanese fabrics that she has in there um I'm trying to think of Akino I think is is one of the names I love those are kind of on like linen type fabrics and I adore those and I buy them and then but I don't necessarily use them (laughs) but I do adore them so those are my two answers Okay, and this is from Leslie, who um, found the podcast through um, Sherry from A Quilting Life, which I love Sherry, and that's a great podcast, and I'm always happy when when we share listeners. And so she's working her way forward um, from the beginning of, of 100 episodes, and she says, I'm curious about your family and how and what your kids are doing. I know being an empty nester is an adjustment, and it is. So um, without giving away too much, <laughs> I never know how much to talk about my kids, um, so I have three kids, um, Chloe, Jonah, and Ben. Chloe is um, Chloe and Jonah both live in San Diego. They're in their mid-20s, and um, they are both self-supporting, working. Chloe is a marketing content writer, and Jonah is a um, software developer. And they're kind of like like mother, like daughter, like father, like son. <laughs> and they are living the, the beautiful life in San Diego. And every time we visit them, I just am like, I can't believe you get to live here. They both went to uh, UC San Diego and then ended up just staying there. So so they are doing great. Uh, the youngest is Ben. He is at UC San Diego and he is a bioinformatics major and, um, you know, starting an internship. And so um, so yeah, we are like the biggest surprise blessing is that they are all three in one place. And if they all stayed there, could we move to San Diego? I would love to live in San Diego, except for the traffic. So, so we'll see. Um, making the adjustment to being an empty nester. Um, it was, you know, it, it, it went pretty smooth. We, um, the house did feel very empty. So we very quickly filled it with two dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and so that really they're like our little children now it's very funny um so they they really keep us on our toes so um that has been good and so yeah so everybody is uh you know kind of on track right now so that has been really nice and thank you for asking Theona also asked would you ever consider an in-person or virtual quilt retreat you know I am so inexperienced in this that um I don't know um what I would like to do my dream is to get to Bonnie Hunter's quilt retreat. And um, so maybe that could be a future thing of, of arranging a, a, a time to go like, you know, let's all go this, you know, third week of August or something like that. So, um, and I've never, so I'm, I'm very inexperienced. You know, I've never gone to a sew day or anything. I need to get involved in a guild, which I think I may check out the Modern Quilt Guild that's near us. Um, but I would like to get involved in something like that. Mari asks, where is our next trip or vacation? And she's still waiting for the details of 
the Italy trip. Yeah, sorry about that. I have not kind of wrapped that up. Um, that is a really good question about where our next trip is because I'm starting to panic that I have not planned anything for summer vacation this year. After bigger vacations, we sometimes do a um, just like a beach house vacation. You know, I live in California, so we can actually get to a beach house um, you know, like within 30 minutes, but it's, which is very nice uh, in case you forget something or whatever. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of looking at something um, beachy this year. Um, if this work trip works out, um, I could be going to Sweden in June and I would like to kind of turn that into a little mini vacation. I loved going to Norway when I visited my daughter and um, so I think Sweden would be really fun. I'm trying to convince my husband. We will see how this goes. Um, so yeah, I don't have anything um, big to report. There's some things that are on our radar for the future. Um, when we hit our 30th wedding anniversary, we've talked about doing a Viking river cruise and um, going all the way like down the Danube or something like that. So that's kind of um, on my radar as well. I don't really, I shouldn't say this because I haven't done it, but I don't, I don't have any real desire to do a cruise. Um, but I feel like the, a river cruise would, could be, could be very cool. So sorry, not a great answer there. And last, um, Sharon has said, um, that we have, I've been her travel companion <laughs> on the trip to Melbourne. She does each month to visit her mom. And, um, she would love the idea of a virtual retreat, um, maybe one of the hand piecing projects. Yeah. So that's, um, it's interesting that there is maybe a, an interest in doing some sort of a virtual quilting retreat. I'll have to think about that. No promises, but um, that's interesting that you guys would be interested in that. So I think that's it. I hope I didn't miss anybody's questions. People just said some very nice things about the podcast, and I so appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you for indulging me in that. <laughs> so... In celebration of 100 episodes, the Fat Quarter Shop is providing a $50 gift card. So how to enter for that and I, um, is go over to the show notes, which is at kristenesser.com. You can Google Kristen Esker. You can Google Simple Handmade Every Day, and you should land there. And just leave a comment. And I, I'm not going to publicize this widely because really I want this to go to someone who really listens to the podcast and not just enters giveaways. So I'll put it in there, but I think I'm just going to have you guys um, put a comment and just tell me if you have a favorite segment of the podcast, what, what is it that you like? You know, is it the quilting? Is it the, I hope it's not the knitting <laughs> because there's not a lot of that. Is it the books? What is it that you, what is that that you like? And I will pick, um, let's see. So I will give it a week. Um, and then I will pick a winner and get you over to the fat quarter shop with a, a gift card. And again, thank you so much for all the support and encouragement that you guys have given me over the last five years, 100 episodes. Um, this is such a fun way to build community and um, to really to really find our people. So I appreciate that. So as always, you can find me um, online at Simple Handmade Every Day on Instagram at Kristen Esser and consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day Facebook group so that we can keep the conversation going. Have a great week.